So this month we're talking about soul renovation. Now, before I went into ministry, I was an engineer for 20 years, and um, all our married life, uh, we've bought and built houses and renovated houses. And whenever we'd get a house, we'd buy a house, the first thing Anne would say, well, rip that wall out, and I'm thinking, that's nice for you to say, but I'm the turkey with the hammer in the hand. He's, oh, we'll just change the roof. Oh, we'll put a landing on there and just, we'll just renovate the house. Doesn't sound much when you say it real, real quick, does it? Is that right? Who would agree with me? How many of you guys have done it? None of you. You need to get out more often. We'll just renovate the house. Sometimes it's an issue with the foundations. Sometimes an issue of changing the roof. Sometimes it's an issue of pulling a wall out. Is it a load-bearing wall? We don't know. We'll just tear it out anyway. Let's wait and see what happens to the roof. And so soul renovation, we're talking about that. We're talking about change in our lives. And in some cases, well, tonight may not be an easy message for some of us. Um, for the last 30 years, I've been a life coach. And I said something pretty tough the other week to someone I was coaching. I said, what I'm about to say is not going to be very nice, so best you get your best you get your tissues out now uh, because we might need them before the end of the conversation. So tonight, um, I hope I'm not going to be like that. But uh, I must say, Will, I was so blessed to see you up singing tonight. <laughs> Will, I, 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 I've heard about the journey you're on and I don't even know a, a cat's whisker of it. But mate, I tell you what, it must take a lot of faith to be here tonight. And I want to honour you. You're a champion in the Lord. A real champion in God. And, uh, and for Hazel, for how you conduct yourself, I tell you what, you're a hero in God. You're a hero in the, in the present. It's just amazing. We can spend the night talking about it. But tonight I'm going to talk about clutter, 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 and it's time for us to start decluttering. Time to start decluttering. You know, as I said before, I'm an ex-engineer, or still am, I got a shed. Whenever we buy a house, Anne got the house, I got the shed. And, um, and I'm an old frustrated engineer and builder. So the worst thing you'd do with me, take me to a jolly uh, garage sale, because I'd be straight to where the tools are. Who's, how many men are like that? And, and you know, you'd see an rusty old plane, and you'd oh, gee, I'll take that home. And before you know it, you've got all this gear, and your missus comes out and she says to you, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> well, I don't know. But it looks good to have anyway. How many of us are like that? We've got tools in our shed we'll never, ever, ever, ever use. I mean, I got tools my grandfather had. He died in 1935. And I got his tools that I've never used. I never will use them. And Anne says to me, how are your little treasures going here, love? You know, time to declutter. But I won't. I won't. I'll never use them. But they'll be there. Just in case, is that right? Just in case the good old days return. Well, our soul can be the same. And so tonight I want to just open with this scripture. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Beloved, in regard to all things, I pray that you may prosper. We like that word, prosper. It means to help on the road, to succeed in reaching, to succeed in business affairs, uh, have a prosperous journey, and in health, it says, to have sound health, that is, to be well in your body, figuratively, to be uncorrupted, true in doctrine, be safe and sound, be whole, even as your soul 
prosperous. Who, who knows about mathematics, that something that's directly proportional? Have we heard that saying? Well, the Scripture's pretty well the same. It's, it's that we prosper directly proportionally to where our soul prospers. And so we can prosper very much in the physical, we can have millions of dollars, but still not prosper in our soul. We can have so much, we live in such a beautiful nation, but we see a lot of people suffering from mental illness, one in five of us tonight. So if we were to do the count and the maths in here tonight, there'd be a few of us who'd be struggling in our mental health. Would you say to me that you are prospering? You're going to have a new car. If you're not happy, you're not prospering. Is that right? How many, what's the divorce rate in the nation today? Very, very high. Obviously, people, two beautiful people together cannot prosper in marriage. And so we're talking about soul renovation. I know over the years I've been married to Anne, hasn't been anything wrong with me, I've had to do the renovation. And, 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 and I'd say without a doubt tonight that there'd be all of us who would need to probably renovate something within our soul so that we could prosper in the world in which we live. You know, people die trying to get to this nation because it's such a good nation, and yet people don't prosper here. And so it's proportionally, where is my soul, is a fair chance of where my world is. And so in the Bible we heard last Monday night, and Carolina spoke a really great message. It said, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. The week before, the lady spoke about it. It's the, it's the seed of our appetites and our passions. But tonight I want to talk about, can God get the blessing to us? Can God get the blessing to me? The, 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 the Bible's full of these promises, but so often we, we lack living in the promise. Who would agree? We lack it living in our, in, our, in our emotions. We lack it living in our relationships. We lack it living in our, in our jobs. We lack it in our world. We lack. So what is the soul? You know, it's not a lot when we say our mind, our will, and our emotions, but what is the soul? These are some thoughts I've put on it. Those who are medically minded, it's, it's the activity of the limbic system or part of it. It's the place of feeling. It's a place of negotiations and decisions between faith and fear, between evidence and the word of God. This is what your soul is. It's the realm of negotiation. The soul is, is our life talk. It's, it's our self-life. It's, it's the you within the you. <laughs> Do you know if I talk to any one of you, really what I'm talking to you is your soul. It's your inner man, inner woman. It's the place where we store our core values and our, and our core beliefs. It's the seat of our desires and passions. The soul will influence our ex expectations. The Word of God may say one thing, but our soul may very well say the opposite. Who's ever been there? So our soul interprets the world where our spirit interprets the Word of God. And it's a clash often. And this is where confusion, oftentimes the soul is, is the arena of confusion. I can't see the wood for the trees. I don't know the answer to the problem. The soul, what is it? It's the junction between the natural world and the spiritual world. It's the junction. Where, it's where both of them meet. We can hear the gospel... I had a guy in our church in Atherton and 
He was a bounty hunter and uh, obviously killed many people for money in Africa. And, and I talked to him and said, but Dave, the blood of Jesus paid the price for your sin. Paid the price for that. And he said, yeah, but Dan, I can understand God letting, uh, you know, forgiving wife bashes. I can understand God forgiving drug addicts, but how could God forgive me? See, the battle was in the soul. The word of God came, and but the experience that he had locked up in his soul came against these things, and, and that's where the struggle was until one day the word of God pierced, pierced into that part of his life. It's the channel through which God expresses himself. It's like a sponge or a magnet. It will take on both good and God, depending on what it's exposed to and what it's allowed to retain. See, ladies and gentlemen, you and I, as we go out from this week, out from this service, this week, we're going we're to encounter good and bad in the world, aren't we? We're going to encounter just things. We're going to encounter unjust things. We're going to encounter things that would say to us, how could God be real if this happens? Who's been posed with that question? Maybe you've posed it to yourself. Maybe your own soul. My soul has said that to me at times. God, how could you tolerate this? How could you in the battle? See, the soul, this is the soul. It's not a lot when you say the mind, will, and emotion. But when you start to look at it, this is the arena in which I live. And whatever's allowed to retain, whatever I allow to retain in that soul, it's a magnet. It'll hang on to it. See, the soul doesn't deter, discern whether it's truth or, fa or fact. It just reads situations. It, it just reads circumstances. It just reads experience, and it'll take it on. It's a magnet. It sucks it in. That's the soul which is allowed to retain it. Our soul is the interpreter of our world. What you hear, what we see, and what we experience. Isn't it interesting? I've been to meetings where there's been a number of us and, you know, uh, it might be a toolbox meeting out on site. Or it might be something's happening and one person says one thing and, and, and one person hears one thing, another person hears another. Who's been there? And you go away from the meeting and say, they said this and that. And they said, no, they didn't say that. They said this. It's just the interpret how the soul interprets what we hear. It's the storehouse in which experiences, both good and bad, are stored. And what our soul harbors, <laughs> harbors our life will manifest and revolve around. See, your world today, when we go into a house, we buy a house we're going to renovate, we put our picture on that house. We put our design on that house. And if it doesn't reach that design that we got in us, we rip the wall out. If the tiles don't work, we rip the tiles up, put new tiles down. That's just the way it is. If we don't like tile roof, we'll rip it off, we'll put an iron roof on. It's not an issue, we just do it, we renovate it. And we always renovate to the picture that's in here. And this is why we gotta, when we come to God, we've got to see that up to now, the world has formed my soul. Up to now, the world has, I'm a tape recorder of what I've heard in the world. I've drawn that in, I've listened to it, I've taken it on. It's a storehouse of experiences, both good and bad. They're stored up in there. It can be a prison where we lock away the offenders of our life. 
before. Think about that. Those who are raised in abusive homes, those who have had a bad experience, as some of us may have come from communist countries. What happened at school, the injustices that happened in your life. It, it goes in there, and, it, and, and we, we can carry these people, and we can lock them up in our soul. And every now and then we pull them out, and we give them a whipping. <laughs> and we figuratively tell them what we think of them, that old school teacher. You were wrong, Mrs. Phillips. Well, I hope there's no Mrs. Phillips here tonight, sorry. <laughs> Peter Daniels wrote a book, a multimillionaire went to school, his school teacher was named Mrs. Phillips. And she said, Peter, you're going to be a loser. And he wrote a book, Mrs. Phillips, you were wrong. Well, maybe we had a Mrs. Phillips who didn't believe in you. I had them. Mine were Morris brothers. But by Job's, I got a bad, bad attitude towards authority as a result, and I kept that in my heart. Maybe you've got somebody in your heart tonight, you need to renovate it. You need to let them out of your heart. You need to get them out. Because if they're in your soul, and those people dictate your attitude, they dictate to you what you're going to have a go at in life. Maybe they are prison. We lock them up. And it also can be a, a place of pleasant memories, like the fridge in your kitchen. You have the photos of the last holiday up the snow. You have a photo of all the family together. The soul can be many things. It's the abode <laughs> where competitive, uh, compulsive behaviours abide, a place where past traumas live. This is the soul. See, Jesus came to save the souls of mankind. Your spirit got born again when you gave your heart to Jesus, but heavens above, <laughs> that was just the beginnings for me. <laughs> you can agree with that. Man alive you know, let me go and be with Jesus now. So goes the soul, so goes the body. Also, if the body is unhealthy, it will have a huge influence on how the soul tends to think and behave. It's not, see, the soul, it says in Hebrews 6.19, is that the word of God is an anchor to the soul. Is an anchor. It holds it firm, holds it in place. That's the soul. It's the theater in which dreams of God, of goodness, uh, of the goodness of God. But, but, there's always a but, isn't there? But the untrained soul is fickle. <laughs> Been there? It's fickle. It can be your best friend one minute and your blooming worst enemy the next. Isn't that right? <laughs> Oh, man, it can be going so good one minute when things are going great, and then something said, and all of a sudden, bang, down it goes. Then we're depressed. It's fickle, the untrained soul. The soul left untrained and undeveloped will grow wild and become a law unto itself. This is the soul. It sets our attitudes and our emotions. It, it loves pleasure, comfort, and to be happy. Someone once said to me they wanted to be comfortable. I said, if you want to be comfortable, don't give your life to Jesus. It's good, mate, but it's uncomfortable. Who found that? Hey, come on. 
come on, you know, I don't find serving Jesus a sacrifice, but boy, hang, it's uncomfortable. Really uncomfortable. He doesn't like to be uncomfortable. He likes to watch the lovey-dovey movies where everybody lives happily ever after and he just likes it easy. He loves pleasure, comfort, and to be happy. He likes to get its own way. <laughs> His soul's like that. It's like a three-year-old child. I want my toy! <laughs> he took my toy! Like, not Jared's little boys, but... <laughs> I can't believe you had a spoon to smack them with. Mate, I broke the spoon when they were... Well, I won't say. <laughs> but your soul is basically negative. The soul must be discipled. Proverbs chapter 4, 23, it says, Guard your heart or your soul with all diligence, for out of it will flow the issues of your life. The word guard means to cultivate. It means to feed. It means to protect. I had a friend when I, I used to work for a, a large company. I was a chaplain, industrial chaplain for some time. And... Um, and this guy said to me one time, he said, Dan, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to be like this and I don't want to hurt your feelings. And I said, I'm sorry, my friend, you don't have that much power. You don't have that much. If you had that much power, you could stop my watch from working. Only I can determine what happens in here. And I'm not going to give you that much power. He was my mate. See, the thing is, is that the scriptures say, guard your heart. This is a job that we've got to do. We've got to, guard, we've got to feed our heart. We've got to feed our soul. We've got to train our soul. We've got to renovate our soul. We've got to go into a... And like no difference to going into a home and we say, is that wall there going to work for me? Is it going to keep me on my walk with Christ? Is it going to build faith? Is it going to give me the life that I want? See, he says there, he says, I pray that you may prosper in all things and in health just as your soul prospers. And what we've got to do as Christians, if we want the life that Christ... See, can God get a blessing into me? And if I don't train my soul, he can't get it in there because my soul is a whinger left to itself. My soul wants comfort left to itself. My, my soul wants it easy left to itself. My soul doesn't want to work. <laughs> my soul doesn't want to get up. And the chance is, is that your soul is the same. Can God get a blessing? He can only get the blessing through to me as big as my soul can grow. For many of God's people, it's a place of torment, struggle, and endless battle for peace because they won't fight the battle till it's won. We will negotiate with things. So there's an old saying, never dance with the devil, he may make a fool out of you. And sometimes we dance with some theories in our minds, we, we dance with past situations, and we allow those to stay in us. Friends today, if we need to forgive, we need to forgive. <laughs> but Dan, you don't know what's happened to me. Get rid of it. Cut the wall out. <laughs> you know, killing the snake doesn't get rid of the poison out of our body. It's soul renovation. We've got to get it out. The centurion, he came to Jesus and he needed, his, he, he needed a miracle in his life. And Jesus said to the centurion, he said, just believe. And he said to Jesus, he says, Jesus, I do believe, but help my unbelief. 
And this unbelief wasn't a lack of belief, it means wrong belief. Well, God wouldn't heal me because he didn't do it last time. Or I prayed and it didn't happen last time. The facts of the matter is God said, pray. If you're sick, pray. Anoint him with oil and believe God. Yeah, but God, no buts. Don't let the soul win the day. This is why it's so good to see Will up here tonight. Let's kick that devil in the butt. Let's kick that devil in the butt. Soul, you're not going to win. You can try to discourage me, but you're not going to win. See, when the, when the soul connects with the spirit, creation happens. See, if our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, this world in which you and I live, if it can connect and come in unity with the Spirit of God that's within us, that's when miracles happen. That's when we start to live the life and to enjoy the blessings that God has for us to enjoy. I pray that you may prosper just as our soul prospers. The issue is not with God. The issue is not with my spirit. The issue is with my soul, my emotions, my memories. Don't want to let go of things. But see, our soul harbors things. My soul, you know, it harbors culture. And I've got to realize I come out of an Irish Catholic background. And there's some issues in there. There's some core beliefs that were passed to me that I didn't even know were in there. <laughs> but they have a way of venting themselves. My attitude towards authority had to change. Man, I remember as a little kid, my dad was pulled over by the, by the police and and well, doing something. And I knew it was on when my dad said, listen, Sonny, I thought, here we go. <laughs> oh, the old Irish, no one's going to tell me what to do. And as soon as I heard, listen, Sonny, I thought, oh, this is going to be good to watch. <laughs> I was driving, <laughs> I was driving Jeeps in Bougainville during the war. Don't you tell me how to drive. Oh, mate, did that get imparted to me? <laughs> may not have agreed with him, but I sure copied him. <laughs> Police pulled me over later on in life. I said, well, officer, I'm just not a slow person. <laughs> Sorry, officer. <laughs> it's in you. It's in you. Come on, let's be honest and shock the devil. It's in you. Get your tissues out. It's in you. You're riddled with it. So am I. There's some things in my life I need to get the jackhammer in and jackhammer it out. Some things I don't want to let go because it mm, feels good. Who's there? Come on. Who's there? Go. Three of us. Father, convict these people. Lord, convict them. God, convict them. All of them. Convict them, Lord. So quickly, how many times? I only got six minutes to do this in. My wife said to me, don't you waffle on tonight, Dan. You don't have a lot of time, so I'm not waffling. Okay, honey. <laughs> I don't know why she thinks I waffle for. <laughs> waffle. What a thing to say to your husband before he gets up the bridge. Don't waffle on tonight, love. <laughs> now, you get up there in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so I'm not going to waffle, okay? <laughs> okay, so four areas. Four areas, quickly, four areas. Now, we're going to have a prayer line. And I want every one of you out here, okay? And if you're not, I'm going to send Jared around. You get up, Jared, and show him your biceps. Mate, he'll get you out here. You need to be out here, okay? 
do some renovating. My wife will be on you. Rip that wall out! <laughs> like my next door neighbour in the 60s, we'd get a new car, belly it, and it wouldn't start. Six in the morning, push and die. He'd hop out of bed and he'd come down. Has it got an automatic choke? I said, yeah, rip that out! <laughs> so tonight we're going to do some tearing down of some walls, okay? So the first area in our soul is the arena. The arena is the area where in your, in your soul, in your memories, all those things, your core values, are commonly accepted by people. Okay? And, and we will talk about that. I'm comfortable, I'm secure, there's no fear about them. You know, we all get up here and say, oh, I'm scared about talking. Everyone can say, yeah, I agree, it's a damn, you know, you're up there. And so we'll share that little fear with people, and, and that's good and that's fine. And so they're co communally or commonly held beliefs. And these are, it might be our belief in Christ, it might be, you know, um, our feelings, regards to honesty and things like that. They're areas of our soul of these commonly held values. We call them mores, and, and we get them. The second one is the blind spot. <laughs> we get defensive over this. Husbands, you never tell your wife about her blind spots, okay? Because if you do tell your wife about her blind spots, you'll have a blind spot, mainly your right eye, <laughs> I can tell you now. But, but I tell you what, we've all got these blind spots, and, and these are filed away in our memories, our attitudes. These can be cultures. They're things that we're not aware of, it could be sexual prejudice, it could be our attitude towards authority, it could be a negative self-image, and these are the areas that we're defensive about. You, know, you ever been there? Someone talks to you about something and all of a sudden you're, you talking to me? <laughs> Mate, you talking to me? I don't have any problems with that. <laughs> been there? Who's got, who's got things stuck away in their, in their, in their uh, what do we call it, blind spot area? You're blind to them. You don't know they got, but they manifest in you. They manifest in your conversations. They manifest in your attitude towards people. They'll come out and all of a sudden, boom, out it come. It'll dribble out. So, gee, I didn't know where that came from. That's a blind spot. And so we've all got them in our soul areas and, and, and they're there. And God wants to, God, so because we can... I wonder why the blessing of God's not flowing. We might have a blind spot about my attitude towards uh, what work is. We might have a very bad work ethic, for example. I talk to some of you young'uns and you don't know, oh gee, you know. Anyway, about work ethic. And, and I don't know I've got a bad work ethic. Very hard God bless us if we don't work hard. Would you agree with that? And so my, the third place is a mask. Mask, and we all wear them. These cause us stress. They're fear-based that we're not secure to talk to people about out of fear of not being accepted. That we got them stuck away in our soul, but I'm not going to talk, we, you know, if we have a prayer line for something, we're well, not even going to come out the front because, you know, <laughs> man, right, yeah, somebody might see me come up the front and you know what, they'll think they'll, I'm like this and I'll think that I'm like that. And, you know, that's not this church, of course. It's the one down the road. So, but, 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 but they're masks. And, and, and what we do in this area, this might help you to see it, is we put a mask on so we behave out of character. We don't really behave who we really are. Because if I do, they may not, they may not accept me. I might be rejected by the crowd. We've all got them. I, I was, when I was a chaplain in Melbourne, I had this big guy came to me and, and um, 
He walked in the door of my office, mate. He had tats all over him, not like some of the tattoo guys I've got. They're they're pretty tame. This these guys had, you know, they should have put bikinis on the girls when they put them on their arms, but they didn't. And you know, teeth missing, and mate, this guy had been through the ringer, and, and mate, he's tough, tough as three house bricks, and. He sat down on the chair opposite me and he looked at me and I said, oh, man, I think I've got to go to the toilet here. And, uh, and look at him, you know, you ever been, meet those guys? And he looked at me, mate, and next minute tears poured from his eyes. And he didn't say, I'm giving you the Christian version, okay? This was the non-Christian, no, I won't give you the non-Christian version. He said, Dan, I can't beep, beep, beep do this lifestyle beep beep anymore he said I'm depressed beep 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 uh, I can't live this life anymore beep 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 I come to work I put this big show on beep 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 he said I can't keep a relationship down profanity 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 and he said I'm a broken man he broke down and cried and he says this is the first time I've ever spoken to anybody about this the mask see he said I wore a mask every day it's the area of stress in our lives. Well, if they really knew what I was like, they wouldn't be my friend. We carry this around in us. You know what? God wants to do a renovation in your life tonight, if that's you. You want to need to do the best thing you could ever do for yourself. You need to get out of your seat, come down to the front and say, you know, God, I'm sick of this thing manipulating my life. Jesus Christ came to set the captives free and I want to be free, and I want to be free of my emotions. I want to be free of who I am. I, you know, I, I want to be free. And Jesus, this is what the gospel is all about. Jared did a marvelous job of preaching that this morning. You need to get that message and watch it. I was almost putting my hand up to get born again this morning. It was brilliant, Jared. But you know what? Some of us, we live behind a mask. And our soul doesn't find freedom. Doesn't find freedom. And then there's a fourth one. It's a too hard basket. And every soul's got one. But Dan, you need to deal with this issue. No, I don't want to go there. I don't want to. I, I know when we were first married, Jan said to me, talk a bit about something. I said, I can't go there. I just can't go there. I'm not secure enough to go there. Because I do, I don't know if I'll recover. From, I, I just can't tell the story. It hurts too hard. And some of us here tonight may be in that spot where you've got a too hard basket wrapped up in your soul and you've got these things that have happened to you and you store them away there and, and the hurt and the pain follows you and follows you, the rejection follows you. Come to church and you don't get the feedback from the people you need to feed that thing in a too hard basket so you feel no one in the church loves you so you go looking for another church or maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's a job. And look, you know what? I've been a, a chaplain in the mining industry. I've been mining with many men. And I know these things that people carry, that too hard basket around with them. And they just store it away there, store it, hoping that give it time, it'll heal itself. But it doesn't heal itself. And we see people in their 70s and their 80s behaving like they're 15 and 14 because these things have never been dealt with. And man, I've done counseling and life coaching for 30 years, only to know this, you can get a man at 55, 65, 75, and you can deal with something and they've been held back and they're 15 and they have never ever changed their behavior from the time they're 15. They've been stunted in their growth. 
and they're behaving like 15-year-old kids and they're 80 years of age and you go there with the Spirit of God and you fix that thing in the too hard basket and you fix the thing up and the Holy Ghost gets in there, sets them free and all of a sudden, within two days, that 85-year-old man becomes stable, you know, like the demoniac in the tombs where Jesus walked in there and at night time, the scriptures say he lived within the tombs. You know, many good Australians are living in a spiritual tomb. And the Bible said he was tormented and people are tormented and tormented and tormented. You know, he needed a soul renovation and he ran to Jesus. He ran towards him and worshipped him. How many good people do we find that? I love God, but God, I'm still tormented. Beautiful people. Beautiful people. Only let God into that too hard basket. Say, come on, you can trust Jesus. Take the mask down. Take the mask down. Come on, be yourself. You make a very bad coffee, but you make the best, best, unique person. <laughs>